Welcome back to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they apply. If you love that flash, that spark of inspiration when a great idea just leaps off the page at you, but you don't have time for all the amazing books you run across, then this podcast is designed for you. In each episode, you'll discover business books, past and present, that are changing the lives of people just like you and come away with insights you can put into action right now. So let's jump into the latest book. Welcome back, everybody. This is one book that changed my life. I am so excited because Sue is here and we're talking about The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is a great book. Uh, It's been a while since I've read it, so I'm excited to catch up and see kind of what Sue took away from the book, how it impacted her life. Um, And Sue is, if you don't know her name, you should, because she's an amazing real estate developer. She was at one point a single mom doing fix and flips before that was even a thing. I want to talk about that for a second. We're going to talk about why she hates all these supermarkets so much. We'll get to that. And uh, But uh, essentially now she is working on uh, some really incredible projects. We'll talk about her latest project at the end. So make sure you stick around for that because it sounds amazing. Uh, It's a really huge development project in the Smoky Mountains. And you may not have like a a, a real insight into real estate development. We're not going to talk about that a lot. We're going to talk more about Sue's story and how the book impacted her life. But uh, she is a rock star in that world. She's speaking at events like bigger pockets conferences and wise women and uh, and mentoring people and and having fun and just and really living an amazing life. Um, so with that being said, let's start off with this, Sue. So tell me, why do you hate Aldi so much? Well, okay, Aldi provides a valuable service. It's just it's just a personal thing with me. There was a time. Um, back in the Great Recession, we'll call it that. Mm -hmm. Um, Things were very lean. Um, The Chicago market was hit really bad, uh, even from, you know, standpoint from America was concerned. And I had three small little daughters at the time. I was a single mom. Mm -hmm. And it was, things were hard. It, It was, you know, it was a struggle to keep the lights on and doing things like that. And so we were, I was, had to go shop at Aldi. And I'm shopping one day and it's like I'm looking around and if anybody shopped at Aldi it's as bare bones as it gets it's not even generic brands it's generic of the generic and um yeah and you know you buy meat there and it says meat product you, you, right. it's, it's a it's kind of a little frightening in some ways but it's from Germany I'm sure it's fine it's quality <laughs> check it's all right it's it, your dollar goes goes far there and I'm shopping and I'm looking and I'm like I'm buying spaghetti and it just hit me that, oh, I have to change my life. I, I never, I, I, I can't buy a meat product and then noodles from something that is in a blue box and and just call it a meal, you know, a meal. And that was one of the moments, I think, defining moments when I just looked down and said, things have to change. And yeah. and since then, I promised myself I'm never shopping at Aldi again. Please, no disrespect to people that shop at Aldi. I know there's a lot of you that love it. Mm-hmm. But for me, that was just rock bottom when you're standing there going, it's not me. It's not. I know it. <laughs> and the best part is the cap to that story is you got to take your entire family to Italy to have real spaghetti in Italy, which oh, yeah. is the promise you made to your family, right? So that was what, 2016? 2016. So, you know, we'd have dinner every night because, well, we couldn't really afford to go out for quite a few years. And, you know, I would teach my girls to have a bucket list. And, you know, one of the things was, and it was, um, it really was a fabulous moment sitting in Florence with my three daughters eating. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah that's Having, yeah, that's, I, I that's one I, of those moments you'll never, ever forget. No, I have a picture of it. And it was, it meant a lot that we were all there and they knew it. And you're like, yeah. you know, we did it, mom. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> now, so you had a really impressive run because you're talking about the Great Recession was not that long ago. I mean, I was, I was yeah. running a real estate team at that time. Um, so we're talking about 07, 08. And you accomplished that and continue to accomplish amazing things just in the last 10 years or so. But I think you, like you had owned a business before that, like you weren't a newbie entrepreneur uh, before that, right? You had, you had had a company before that time, like before the Great Recession. Is that right? Yes, I did. And I was doing um, some home remodelings and things like that. We had a family. Yep. There, I was, you know, part of a family restructuring. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I started doing remodeling and connected with quite a few people that were investing and had known them already. Gotcha. So that's what I continued doing um, as a full-time career is working for various other investors, learning how to read markets and building to the market. That was my niche. I, yeah, that's I so genius. Build to yeah. a market. Yeah, go go work for other... Like I, I love that. Like Go find the people that are doing it, go work for them. And odds are they'll pour into you and they probably won't mind when you end up going off and doing it for yourself. Yeah. Um, especially the really successful ones. The really successful ones do not care if you go off right. and they they teach you and you go off and do it for yourself. They'd love to see more people do that. So yeah, I think that's a great a great path to follow. So you're doing that. So you had some experience. You were, had some had some experience in role modeling or uh, home remodeling. So it wasn't like you jumped in as a completely newbie to the investor space. You'd had some experience there. You know that like, you had some knowledge. You had some uh, experience with the process of remodeling. How did you transition to doing it for yourself rather than doing it for somebody else when you were, you know, in that financial low condition? Um, during the low times, I, I wasn't able to financially invest on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until probably 2013 mm-hmm. um, is when I partnered with some of the people that I had been doing work for. Um, you know, was able to save a little bit of the capital myself, and we ended up forming some partnerships you know, slowly but surely. And and I had such a, by then, I had such a strong construction background and I get construction. It's kind of yeah. my gift. I get it. Really? I, nobody really had to, I, I, I get why every piece of lumber supports the weight above it and how it has to get to a load bearing wall. And I, I like, I understand all of that. Mm-hmm. And I also has had a really strong knack for looking at the local market, the immediate market the house was in and building and designing exactly to that without breaking the bank. So those two things together, and I was able to analyze the financials of a bill of a of a deal pretty good. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, not I I mean tooting my own horn a little bit, but I was a good partner. Right. Um so by I think 16 it was, I was able to start doing partnerships with people that I had already done work for. Yeah. Um, we had already had a pretty good uh, relationship and kind of took it from there. Yeah, I love that because it's anytime you have whether somebody that's successful in investing or or some other area, it's always interesting to go back and see what the initial leap was. Sometimes it's wildly unrelatable and unhelpful. It's like, oh yeah, like I just did this. I found this one deal. I I cold called this one guy and they gave they they financed me and I was off out to the races. Like you attacked it in stages that make sense to people. Like they can see themselves in the shoes of okay, you did this for five years, then you started partnering, then you did this, and then you start doing things on your own. So to me, that I mean, it's just incredibly relatable for you people to actually see that that kind of progression. So then, set the scene for me a little bit. When did you come across the book, "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck," which I think is Mark uh, Mark Manson, if I remember. Mark the Manson, yes, Mark Manson. Um, a- so what were you doing at that time? 
I was, it was about a little over a year ago. It was mm-hmm. right after about six months into COVID. Okay. And um, to say I was feeling deflated and, and full of self-pity and all kinds of, it, without getting too political, let's just say I, I, I was kind of getting the idea something wasn't right at the time, but I was just really kind of just angry at what was going on. Yeah. And so I was in the middle of COVID and I'm really sorry, Mark. <laughs> For those listening, that is her dog in the background that has a chew toy. I love it. It looks like he's going to take a nap now. <laughs> sorry. Um, and that's where I was at. So I was, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands because I was doing remodeling projects for uh, large remodeling projects. And then the new home construction um, I had under contract with my client, they started their loan the week before everything shut down. So everything kind of came for a halt for about three or four months for me. And that's kind of where I I picked up uh, Mark's wonderful and fabulous book. And anything that has, you know, not giving a fuck in the title, just let's just Cool. That's what I need to read right about now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so not not having a lot of fun. I was I was in a similar position. So we're talking about summer of twenty twenty, right? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. that's right around what that's right around when it was. Yeah. I think toward might might have been yeah sometime in that summer. Okay. All right. Um, so I can I can completely relate. I was not a happy camper that that no. summer. I don't think most people were. Uh, so what? Looking back on the book now, what do you think was the biggest thing that made an impact on you? thing that made the impact on me was learning that I am potentially wrong about everything. And the reason I'm potentially wrong about everything is if you look back at your life, what I thought was valuable and important, and I was absolutely sure was true when you're 16, isn't the same when you're 30, isn't the same when you're 40, and I'll date myself and isn't the same when you're 50. Mm -hmm. Um, It changes in life because your values change. And I also realized by reading that book, it made me take stock. There's maybe only three, two or three things in my life that I'm 100% positive about. That's it. Right. Everything else is going to change. It also allowed me to see that maybe my perception of people, I, we all as, as human beings, we perceive people and what they do in their actions from a space of where we're at at that moment. Mm -hmm. Well, what if I'm in a really shitty mood at that moment? And what if I just had, you know, the biggest dump fall on my head the week before, uh, all of these things are happening and I meet somebody and I, in whatever it is, I'm like, wow, that guy is a real jerk. Right. Maybe. Maybe he's not. Yeah. And so by believing that I'm wrong about everything, also further allows me to question everything that I'm doing. The more I question everything I'm doing, the more it leads me down the path of learning more and accepting more. And all of a sudden, the anger kind of goes away. It's, Mm. I am responsible for everything that's happening to me and I can choose where to put my attention to. And that, I think that was the biggest thing is, you know, I'm wrong about everything and and especially certain people. What, what if they're having a really bad day? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what if they just had the biggest dump or, you know, who knows? But I'm not right about why they did it. That's the one thing I do know. Yes, yes. And, and 
I've had to take a step back because I think the temptation is to kind of analyze what's going on in the world around you. And you start to ascribe motives to people that you don't know and you've never talked to. You don't really right. know what's going on. It's like, okay, I can see, I can see what they say and I can see what they do publicly, but do I really know why they're doing it? No, like there's no way mm-hmm. for me to know. Um, in the past, when I was younger, I would have, I would have just gone, oh, this is their motives and I'm right because I said it. Right. Now, now I'm much less likely to make that. It reminds me a lot. Have you ever read the, um, the four agreements? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. By, it reminds um, me of the chapter on never making assumptions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's similar to that. I mean, it's, I thought the book was going to be something different, you know, because of the title and, and it was kind of, you know, put in a very lighthearted way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. We're not, or at least I believe it's true that most of the time in my life, I've been wrong about most assumptions, you know, especially around other people and people's yeah. motives. Interesting. And I've been wrong about myself a lot. <laughs> well, yes, I was going to say self-awareness is an ongoing journey. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah, I've got a mistake or two. <laughs> Some of them pretty darn big. <laughs> hey, it's Matt. And if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the MicroFamous Field Report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. All right. So this is, uh, so this is fairly recent. So we're talking about summer of last year. So um, what effect did that have on you? So you start, um, did it reset some of the things in your relationships? Did it change how you looked at people that you meet through work? Did it just give you a different outlook and, and, and help you get through the pandemic year with more peace of mind? What do you think was the biggest impact on you personally? I think it, it helped me get through the pandemic year and it really allowed me to look at like my, my surroundings. And if something was coming up on the news that I was like, oh my God, that is so wrong. That is terrible. How can you be so, how can anybody be so stupid to believe that? Well, that's, I, I, I allowed that to stop. And the other big takeaway from Mark, you know, the, the book is choose my struggles because do I really want to focus on yelling at a TV screen on how people are stupid? I mean, it's really not too productive. <laughs> I mean, and yet, I, I and yet I, so enjoyable, <laughs> very cathartic. It is. So the other part of the other thing that goes hand in hand with this is, if there was something that is, I guess it's fundamental is everybody has struggles in life mm-hmm. and we're defined by, and what Mark said made, it just hit me like a, a ton of bricks. You're defined by your struggles because what you choose to overcome is what you will master. And therefore mm-hmm. that is what you're going to be remembered for. That is what you're going to be great at. And that's when it hit me that, okay, this yelling at the TV that's been going on for three months is really pissing me off. <laughs> and, and, and so then it was decide what I want, what I want to struggle on, because what I focus my struggles on is what I'm going to get better. And if something's hard and I can become great at it, that's what's going to m- make me sh- shine as me. Yeah. And that's what I did. I love it. What what changed? Uh, I guess in in the business, did you have uh, did it change anything in terms of like 
the, the development projects that you started to work on, the partners that you kept on, you know, did it affect things like at that, at that level where you started to get involved in things differently in your business as a result of that kind of mental shift? Absolutely. Have so, all those projects in progress. I had projects in progress. Um, I was working exclusively at that time for um, doing cust- uh, doing custom work for homeowners, mm. and because of COVID, things changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the loans were yeah. I don't need to go into that. I mean, we've yeah. got supply. We still have tremendous supply chain issues, labor issues. So things change. Um, banks became far more cautious. Um, I live in Chicago and. Illinois was hit really hard. I, I actually, I think um, out of all of the states, Illinois was suffered the most economically from the Great Recession, um, from the housing market standpoint. Really? That's interesting. Well, we didn't have, we really didn't even have banks writing traditional con- new home construction loans for homeowners until quarter two of 2016. Most people in America don't realize it was that long here in Illinois. Wow. Okay. So this is still fresh in a lot of the lenders' minds. So they became they're 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 still very cautious, uh, knowing that this is a bubble and and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I also think by after reading the book, um, I've got a great project that I've wanted to do for years and and uh, near the Smoky Mountains, and you know it took about a year to put together, but uh, I'm working on that. So that is really a passion project of mine. So it kind of helped me switch gears a little bit Interesting. and know that I kind of wanted to make a big change mm-hmm. and maybe was a little afraid of it, but the, the book kind of helped me look at it and say, okay, what struggle do I need to do in my life? That's going to be really hard, mm-hmm. but it's going to make me just laugh my pants off and have fun <laughs> along the way. And this is it. <laughs> I love it. And, and you you strike me as someone that does have some fun and some good laughs along the way, even, even during the tough times, which is incredibly key to getting through them. Well, that's a great transition because we wanted to talk about that. So let's talk about the, the passion project. Um, what was the, something that you said you wanted to do? Do you remember the original inspiration? The original inspiration uh, probably came about 10, 12 years soon, earlier than that. Um, it was the first... I took my daughters there on a vacation and without sounding really corny or I I don't know, it's, there was something so magical for me uh, visiting uh, the Cosby, Tennessee area, which is just outside of Gatlinburg. Mm -hmm. And there was a feeling that I I knew I was home. I can't explain Mm -hmm. it other than that. Had no idea it was going to transform into uh, the project that I have planned for today, Mm -hmm. but uh, that's where it all started. Interesting. Uh, so visit to the area, you, you roll in, it feels like home. I can relate to that. Uh, mm-hmm. There's definitely been some places I've gone on vacation where I, yes. I rolled in. I'm like, wow, this, I could live here. This feels like home. Mm-hmm. I actually moved to one of them, which is Golden, Colorado years ago. Uh, okay. So I've, I've had that, that fun experience happen, but you're, you're, you're like, I, I moved and I got an apartment, you know, in Golden. You're developing 170 acres in the Smoky Mountain. How, like, how did it go from, oh, it'd be nice to live here. This kind of feels like home to, I'm going to develop a compound with 25 homes and four tree houses and all this stuff. Cause uh, you gave, you gave me the rundown, give people the rundown of what this development is going to look like. It's 25 homes, but they're, they're post and beam. So they're authentic to the original, you know, to the original architecture of um, the area. Okay. It's four livable tree houses. Everything is on secluded lots. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's 117 acres, not 170, just so I could be Sorry. clear. Okay, good. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, it's got a large clubhouse, uh, uh, a large exercise uh, facility, a short course Olympic pool, pickleball. I just, because of COVID, I started to see a phenomena through a lot of people. It's a disconnect. Uh, mm-hmm. People are not able to come together as a community. And I think as human beings, that's so critical for um, our happiness. Yeah. So this is what that's, that's this is what it's going to be. It's also about being really kind to the earth, using solar energy, EV charging stations. A uh, little bit, little organic farm will be there. Uh, and most importantly, I'm going to prohibit single-use plastic. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of creating an environment where it's short-term and long-term rentals. So people that are renting Airbnb will come. There's going to be an opportunity for some people to purchase about half of the single family homes. Mm-hmm. And um, I anticipate a lot of people coming to stay there who once had to work in big cities, but no longer find that working out for them. So we have all of the uh, infrastructure and in for everybody to be connected to the rest of the world if they choose. It, yeah, exactly. And I didn't know this because I don't know that area well, uh, but like Eastern Tennessee is close to everything. So Gatlinburg and this general area yeah. where the development that it, it's, it's what were we talking about? An hour? Like how many things are within an hour of that area? Well, I mean, less than an hour. Uh, Gatlinburg is only 35 minutes away. Knoxville is, I think, 45 minutes away. We've got Dollywood. Uh, there's a lot of whitewater rafting, zip lining, so on and so forth, the touristy types of things. Yeah. Um, but my passion is we're 12 minutes from the uh, northern opening of the Great uh, the Smoky Mountain National Park, uh, 21 minutes uh, from the nearest uh, ap- uh, head to the Appalachian Trail. And, oh. and so it's really, the land is, is secluded um, on English Mountain. Um, it, it's got rolling hills. It's also got a couple of ridges on there. So, and nicely, it's, it's 15 minutes from the nearest town where you have a Walmart, if that's what you like, you know, some restaurants and so on and so forth. <laughs> I can only hope there's an Aldi there. Right no, next there to the Walmart. No, no? Here. Oh, there's right. no Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I know that there's folks in the audience, because uh, you know, I've got my my one foot is kind of in the residential real estate side with my original podcast and stuff. So we've got a lot of people with real estate connections in the audience. So I want people to keep this in mind. So you're putting capital together. So if anyone's in the audience and you know someone or you are someone that has capital sitting on the sidelines that's looking for a great project with an experienced developer, uh, a place to put your money uh, and see something that not only gives you financial returns, but also just is an intellectually interesting project and something that is very mindful of the earth while also being... um, you know, in, in a unique and interesting place and like on the cutting edge of, of developments like long, you know, short-term rentals and things like that. There's a lot that's going on there that's very in line with new and emerging trends and, and niches that are going to be with us for a while, right? So anyway, so I want people to reach out and, and connect with you. Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? My email is sue at augustlimited, spelled out, um, dot com. So it's a, you know, augustlimited.com. Sue at augustlimited.com. Happy to chat with you and, um, or share the project. Uh, we're doing a capital raise right now. Uh, so yeah. Or just to talk to people. I love it. I love yeah. talking to people that are just new to developing and they're, you know, they, they don't, you know, if you need any help or guidance or just a few pointers, just reach out to me. Yeah. Which is hilarious that you just, you, you, are so 
warm and inviting and, and friendly, but we were joking around behind the scenes that we're both introverts, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, but you'd never tell from the way that either one of us show up on camera, like on podcasts and things like that. So if anyone's in the audience and you can relate to that and you're like, yep, that's me. Like I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an introvert that can be extroverted for a very defined period of time. And then I need to go take a nap. Like Sue is a great example. You can be extremely <laughs> successful uh, and still be on the introverted side. You can speak at events, you can network, you can have all kinds of great conversations. You can be warm and friendly and inviting and talk to a lot of people and then go take a nap. Right. And as long as, you know, some of those networking events, you know, I, I, I bow out a lot of times now. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing to do at a conference, if I get, if I get roped in, I don't, I don't get, but uh, you know, roped into these very often, but I, I did go to one here a couple of weeks ago because it was one of, one of my clients' events. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll come hang out. I'll come do like a little speech and stuff like that. Um, the best thing about it is you roll in, meet and greet, go back to the hotel room, relax, speak, mm -hmm. and then leave again, right? And then like, mm -hmm. yeah, like I literally took like two breaks over the course of only three or four hours of being at that event just so that I had the energy to like be present because I knew I had to go out later that night. So yeah, whatever you got to do to, to, to get through those. So it's funny that you like, you know, withdraw. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Sue, this has been fantastic. The book is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's Mark Manson. You should go read it. Uh, I have not read his latest book, which is an oversight on my part. It sounds like we both need to go get his, uh, his yes. latest one. I know he put one out afterwards, uh, but I loved the book. I remember getting some of the same things out of it. Uh, so if, you, if anyone's listening, you haven't read it yet, go get it. It's, an, it's really an amazing book. Uh, I am always in pursuit of things that give me more uh, calm, more clarity, not more stuff to do. And that book is a great one right. for getting clear on priorities and then uh, essentially letting yourself determining like not to care about all the rest of the stuff because you can only care about a few limited things. And I, I am a hundred percent agreed with that. So I love the whole perspective of the book and I think it could be life-changing. So Sue, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being with me. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the micro famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today. So you get that and stay tuned for the next episode of one book that changed my life. We'll see you there.